Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello. Anybody out there? Cease. What was that hymn we sang at the end there? I forget. It's just... Can we stand and sing that again just together? I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't finished. Actually, will you jump up for it? Is that all right? Just feels like, I don't know. I just think it's such a great anthem. And as we come to Christmas and we come and we receive the, we, the, we celebrate the moment and the time where we receive the greatest gift, um, that is Jesus, the King of Kings coming, taking our shape and our form. I just think it's good to worship him. And, and so, is that all right? It's a little different. But maybe Warwick and I can just, Warwick can just lead us. Cool. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Give you all the 
come to an end of the year, one of my friends has been putting a Facebook status up, and he started on 45 days till holiday. It's like the countdown, jeez, countdown's getting longer. And I think we can do the same with God. It's like we can get to the end of the year, we say, well, I'll make some New Year's resolutions next year. I'll, I'll get back to reading the Word next year. I'll, I'll get back to time in God's presence. I'll, I'll get there next year. Let me, just, let me just finish this year. Just give me space. And I don't know, but there's something when we worship together that says, oh, I can't wait for next year. I can't wait for next year to be close to God. Oh, I can't wait for just next year to, to find intimacy with Him again. Can we close our eyes just for a second? Oh, some of those unhealthy worldly rhythms get in and sometimes we just got to be undone by worshiping God again. Jesus, I want to be captivated by you at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, whether I'm up or whether I'm down, whether life is amazing or times are tough, whether there's money in the bank or there's not, God, I want to be captivated by the glory of the King of Kings. Captivate us again today, I pray, God. Call us again, Holy Spirit, to intimacy with the Trinity at this time. We're going to give you all the glory today, God. Give you all the praise, God. We give it to you, God, whether we met our goals this year or not. Whether we walked into every dream we had for this year or not. I pray, God, we would be a people who know how it is and what it is to worship the King of Kings. To seek you, to long for you, God. To be captivated by you, God. We worship you, Jesus.
something it can be so many things I trust and I pray it's just a response to Jesus it's just what happens people do crazy things when they see Jesus they start speaking of his love they start praying for the sick they start believing a, a, a thing something a story that's a fairy tale to many but they believe it they throw their lives into it they take the grace that is revealed to them and they start revealing that same grace to the world they start responding in weird ways like praying for your enemy. Pray for your enemy. Who does that? Who does that? But when Jesus comes and we see him, we start to pray for our enemies. When, when Jesus comes and we see him actually to forgive, it's not a 75-week program of releasing gifts. It's just choosing to forgive because it's in Jesus. And I trust and I pray even as the, you come to the end of this year for you, I trust it ends on a moment. Take time. You know what relationships need? They need time. My relationship with my wife needs time. I know, and I can tell, and I can tell you what happens when we don't get time together. We get, get well, she doesn't. I get a little grumpy. It happens, even to pastors. But you know what your relationship with Jesus needs and the Father, and you want, you want reality with God? Just take time. As you think about your holiday coming up or if you're getting a gap, and even if you're not, take time out from the normal rhythms. Take time out to spend time with Him. Young or old, don't leave it for one day. One day when I'm older, I'll do that thing and read the Bible. Don't wait for the one day. I promise you, because you'll get to the one day and you'll regret the fact that you didn't give Him all those days. It's good. It's good. Thanks, for.
have one of those. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Maybe that was just for me, but I, I love worshiping Jesus. Mm. I, um, some of you have heard this story before. I grew up in a, I came to a church called Glenridge at 14 years old. I wasn't that amped, but I got dragged there by my sisters, and I encountered a people who worshiped Jesus radically. They just, they were just crazy. Actually, there were a bunch of hippies and single people and students, and, but they were caught up with something that I, that I knew wasn't of this world. So as much as I struggled with some of the expressions, there was something of reality, something that gripped me, something that said, there's something different here. And I want that something different. I think that's Jesus. I think that's being in the presence of the living God together, being captivated again. And uh, such a privilege to be led by guys and girls, even... So, uh, just, just I trust we appreciate that, and thank you to the team and the guys that serve. It is good to be together. We continue the series, um, Are You Crazy? Are you enjoying it? But by what I mean by are you enjoying it, are you finding it in the Word for yourself? Are you reading the Bible? Are you getting captivated by these characters, these people, who we think are these magnanimous big characters. They must have had these massive leadership gifts. They must have had all these skills and things to do the things that God called. And when we go into the background story and we begin to dig in the word of God, we realize they were just pretty ordinary. Some of them just parents. Noah was just this ordinary guy. He had three kids. He had a job. He would have had to provide. He would have had some skills. He, he, but he lived a pretty ordinary life. And God says, you were faithful in the ordinariness. I'm going to take you to something radical. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to call you. I'm going to show you how to do it. But as we go on the series and we continue, I just read through Hebrews 11. I don't know how many times I've read through it in this last two months, but I read through it again, and I was caught by something, and you see, you see a bit of a trend. I don't know, when you read the Word, sometimes I read a scripture, and I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm looking for the big story. Sometimes I'm just trying to see, is there some thread here that we can hold on to and say, well, there's something of God in that. And um, I was reading Hebrews 11. I want to read little snippets. So I'm, I didn't put it up on the screen. From Hebrews 11, we've gone through many of these characters. We continue to go through these amazing heroes of the faith. But it's amazing. By faith, Abel bought a better offering than Cain did. Just going to read a few. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. A funny thing, I did a, a wedding on Friday night for a couple on Signal Hill. It was absolutely amazingly beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been on top. And I say to the groom, where are you going on honeymoon? He says, no, up the West Coast to Pringle Bay. So I'm like, okay, up the West Coast to Pringle Bay. Yeah, no, we're going to get up the R20s and we're just going to go. And we'll get there. I'm like, you going there tonight? Yeah, so let me help and stop your first fight in your marriage. <laughs> Pringle Bay is not on the West Coast. It's not even close. And once you get an hour up the West Coast and you realize that there's really no way across unless you have a four by four. So I saved him his first fight in his marriage. Just thought I'd share that with you. But by faith, Noah. No, what's that guy's name? Abraham. Didn't know where he was going, but he went. He just obeyed. By faith, Sarah considered him faithful and may, who had made the promise. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac, his son, up as an, as a, as an offering, as a sacrifice. I think we've got to read these and go, wow, who does that? Are you crazy, dude? God gave you that child. You prayed for that child. You waited for that child. And then what? Boom, we're going to roast him? That's what the Bible says is going to happen. We're going to sacrifice him? 
By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed each of his sons. By faith, Joseph spoke. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. When you go into, we don't give the parents enough credit. You know that? Every wedding I do, if the parents are still alive and they're in the story, I don't care whether they're good parents or bad parents. We honor the parents because that's what the Bible says. And these parents, their faith in, in the mountain when they could have themselves been murdered, they chose to hide their kids. It's kind of, oh, that's not faith. You should have put the kid outside and said, we're keeping our kid. No, in faith, they knew there was a big God story. And we get caught up by these stories. By faith, Moses, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There's faith in that story to say, I'm not going to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Because you know why? To say there's no pleasure in sin is just a lie. It's just a lie. If you meet the holier than thou Christian, oh, don't even like sin. Honestly, sin does nothing for me. Liar. Liar. There are aspects that the enemy knows that are pleasurous to us, but they're a fleeting pleasure, and they're going to lead to chaos, and they'll lead to destruction, and they'll lead to diabolos, yes. But there is pleasure to sin, and it's faith that means I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in awe of Jesus and go, that fleeting pleasure, I choose an eternal pleasure of relationship with the King of Kings. Far more glorious, far more wonderful, far more captivating. And by faith, Moses did that. It says, by faith he left Egypt, where he was royalty, where he was treated like royalty, where he was brought up in the house of royalty. He chose to forego all that stuff, to choose a desert and an uncertain future. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood, and you've spoken about this. It was a crazy thing to do. Take a lamb, and not, I, I, I've said it before, but I thought they kind of made a mark on the door, little, little like nice laminated poster on the front door. This house is covered by the lamb of the blood, spot of blood. Because that way you're not really offending your neighbor. You're not really offending the guy walking by, so he doesn't know why you're putting the lamb. And no, they take, they take cloths and they take liters of blood and they pour it all over the walls. Because by faith they did something Radical. And the action that followed was radical. Was radical. It says, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on the land, on dry land. I don't care that the waves were pushed back up or however it went down. I still think it would have taken massive faith to walk through these waves, one wave there or however it, God did it. I've seen lots of different, I think it takes great faith to put one foot in front of the other and just keep walking and go, we're not sure how this is going to end, but we're going to trust God. It takes great faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched. It didn't say the walls fell and then they toyed around the walls because it was lacquer. Like, now let's get excited. The walls are down. Wee, thank you, God. Jesus, so good. No, they went around and around and around for seven days before anything happened. The Bible doesn't even say a little stone fell off every day as encouragement. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that encouraging little stone that fell off the wall. No. By faith, they put foot in front of foot every day. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. There was faith. She, she was from a broken situation, broken back. Why? And, and she would have been sitting there after the spies have left going, why should God even, why should he spare me? Why should he spare me? I know the law. She would have known the law. She would have known what she deserved by the law. 
Why sitting here just because I looked after these fires? Why should God? But God is a God and a Father who keeps His promises. And He speaks truth and He backs it up with truth. Unfortunately for many, Christmas is the time where fathers didn't live up to promises. Fathers were absent. Fathers got involved in their own stories and their own things. I want to tell you about the Father who honors those who will seek Him and who will trust Him, that He will be true to His promises. So here's... Here's the thread in Hebrews 11, and I'm not going to get too many more chances. We get a week's leave this week, and we've got some amazing people up next weekend. But, but I, I don't have too many chances, but I was reading the scripture, and there's a thread. Here's the thread, and I don't think you need to be a genius to work it out. What's the thread? Someone take a chance. Faith is pretty, that's one big thread. But there's another thread that follows the faith. No one, eh? No one. Action. Someone get that lady a coffee, man. Flip. You look at every one of these people, they did something. They did something. They didn't hold a prayer meeting that just did nothing. They got stuck in, they did something. And not bad example, but understand, I've seen so many, I will pray for you. Don't pray for them. If a family's hungry, take them a meal and pray for them. It takes action. In, in, in some of these, some of the Bibles, the, this chapter is by faith. In my Bible, it says faith in action. And I read that, and I was just like, yes, Lord, that's it. That's what a crazy people are. You see, the world won't judge you for your faith. They'll judge you what you do about it. Yeah. You will find opposition, not when you tell people, well, I put my faith in Jesus. Well, wonderful. There's millions who say the same thing. They will judge you when you actually put your faith in action behind Jesus. That's when the opposition will come. That's when the challenge will come. It'll come from your own families, your neighbors, your work colleagues. It'll come from everyone. But you know what? It's Jesus. And as we do this series, we can't just land, well, uh, you know how many times I've sat with people, I've got faith for this, but it never takes the front step to walk around that Jericho. Just the first time. We've got to read these stories and be captivated by people who aren't just caught up with the wonder and awe of Jesus. The Bible said even the demons were amazed. The the Pharisees were amazed. Everyone was amazed by Jesus. It's not enough just to be amazed by Jesus. It has to root deep inside of my soul that it changes who I am because I'm caught up in my identity as a son of of the Father because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a son, and I begin to respond, and I begin to put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes when you see these, you go on TV and these massive evangelists and it's this and it's, you see them healing and you see and you think, well, God just did that. It's like literally that guy was born in a white suit. He was just born to do this. And you've got to go back and you see the, the stories behind the scenes of, of generations of pastors, generations of families worshiping, grandparents who prayed, and then one step after the other, faith steps. And maybe even Wally's encouragement to you to speak to a work colleague is just like, yeah, that's too big a step. Well, move something. Put one toe forward. Bend your little toe and go, in faith. And I promise you, watch the grace of God begin to pour. Watch it pour. Watch it pour. I read Hebrews 11. I see people who are filled with the wonder and awe of God. They were captivated by something of God, called out by something of God, but they didn't just leave it there. They did something with it. 
And I think it's a massive challenge to the church. It's a massive challenge to myself. I, I know how many, I'm a dreamer. I think of things all the time. My wife knows I keep a cell phone next to my bed. And every night, I literally cannot go to sleep until I type in about five ideas and then it's asleep. Unless I, I can't do that, I can't turn off my mind. I'm constantly having ideas. I'd love to love that person. I'd love to bless that family. I'd love us to do this as a community. But unless that comes to action, unless there's a foot that's put forward into something, nothing happens. And I love the stories that just start with the foot that's put forward. I love Wayne and Jen and the Side 5 team that just started because a, a young couple decided to put their own money into a story that would never benefit themselves. And they just put one foot in front of them, then others gathered. And we see a whole team coming with shirts and that now, and it's, this, it's life-full, fruitful ministry. We go, well, where did it start? It starts with a couple saying, we're going to take our money. Yeah. We're going to make sandwiches and soup. We're going to go into an area people don't have. We're just going to do something. Yeah. We're not going to wait for the approval. We're not going to wait for the prophet to come into church. And there's someone over here who wants to make sandwiches and make soup and, and go. And I think their phone number is... Now, that's awesome if you get that, and that's really wonderful. But I'm telling you, just do something. I don't know. This is more than a charge. I think I look at the Scripture, and I see something of a thread of action. Jesus did something. He came to, the, to this earth, took our form and our smallness in the womb of a woman, and went to that cross deliberately, not by default, not by some trip into action. And I think so often it's like, God, well, but if, if, if God opens the door, where is that in the Bible? Honestly, superstitious Christian. Let's get over that stuff. Our God speaks. Our God gives actions. You want to know whether it's good to feed the poor? Just read the Bible. You don't need a word from heaven. Just read the Bible. You want to know that it's good to forgive your enemy? Oh, I'm praying about forgiving my neighbor and his loud noise. Don't pray about it. Just read the Bible and obey. It's an issue of obedience, not revelation. And, and, and I'm so captivated by this. I'm stirred by this because I look back at my years of walking with God and think, God, how many times did I drop the ball? How many promises did I make to Jesus, to the Father? I made promise every year. Oh, I've got my journals. I, I, I've got all these journals. I go read beginning of the year. It's like, hey, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read through the Bible 17 times this year. No, I never made that promise. But, um, but I'm going to do all the stuff. I don't want to be a guy. When I live under a father who never breaks his promises, I don't want to be the son that breaks his promises. Is it? Tonight, I'm not trying to be a clever preacher. And, and, and it's not that I haven't done work, but I feel like there's this urgency. I've had the privilege of worshiping with men and women who've done crazy things. There's a lady named Rose Binder. Anyone know Rose Binder? Got married late in life. Had their first kids at 37 years old. She's a medical doctor, worked in the emergency ward. First kid, 37. Second kid, 39. She said to her husband, hang on, that's it. He said, one more, one more, just one more. She said, no. And I remember the day she pitched up at a prayer meeting, and, and she was weeping. I'm like, what's wrong? I'm pregnant. So that's amazing. With triplets. <laughs> at 41 years old, she had five kids under the age of five. Let me tell you what happened four months after she had the triplets. Her husband had a stroke. He's a structural engineer. He's not allowed to work as a structural engineer anymore. He became the nanny for the kids. Let me tell you what she did when her, her, her triplets were two and a half years old. She led a team of doctors into Syria 
during the bombings, and they were dropping bombs next door. She had to be dropped at night on the other side of the border, walk down a canyon, through a river, into the back of a house, stay the night there, and under the cover of darkness, get to the hospital so she could serve people, while her husband, who's now got challenge, had five kids back home. And people were saying, what are you doing? You're nuts. God gave you these kids. You must look after your children. She's going, but God has called me to wound those who have been broken in wartime. It's a specific call. I know he has spoken. He will honor. And bombs were landing. Poof, they would hear the bombs. Poof, they would hear the bombs. And she comes home to her five kids, just a mom, just a wife, but treated literally hundreds of patients in Syria. And I'm going, Jesus, I can think of all the excuses. I think of all the reasons why she should never have gone. And I can rationalize it till I'm blue in the face, but it wouldn't have changed her life in Syria. And I can pray for Syria, and she could have prayed for Syria, and she could have sent money to Syria, or she could get in a plane under risk of death. And I tell you, within the church, I was one of the elders in the church. I had ladies coming to me and going, Mark, you can't let this woman go. She's got five children. How can you elders let her go? And I'm going, God has spoken to her. God has made a promise. What do you want me to do? So we prayed. She came back. And she's gone again. And she only goes to war-torn. It's doctors who... Doctors Without Borders. She led the team. She was on the TV every day. A mother with five kids under the age of five. And a husband who had a heart, who had a stroke. I remember my parents moved to a farm in Richmond and we encountered this amazing family called Henny and Rita Kater. Amazing family. And they were pioneers in the NCMI movement. They still are up into Africa. And I remember being a young man, and Henny used to get in a car and drive for 90 days. He'd be gone. His boy was in boarding school. His daughter was even younger. And I remember people saying, oh, those kids are going to grow up to be chaos. Look at him, absent father. But God had called him and given him a unique and a specific mission. Don't do that if you are trying to be an absent father. But if God has called you and he's mandated you and he's graced you for a story that looks different and people are going to go, are you crazy, Henny? Your kids need you. You need to be at home. And there's wisdom to that. And as a father, there's something inside of me that when I tell the story, it tears inside of me. But I know his kids today, 15, 18 years later, in full-time ministry, and his son is doing the exact same thing. Driving to Africa in cars, taking teams so that churches would be strengthened, so that stories of God would be captivated. And there's something that in me goes, I want to live a crazy story for Jesus. Because when I'm on my deathbed one day, no one's going to ask, what did you do that was reasonable? What did you do that really made sense? They're just not going to ask that. And I don't think we're going to get to heaven and go, Jesus said, you lived such a great average life, Wally. You were almost on the 2.5, but it's, no one can really get there in terms of numbers of kids. You, 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 you almost were on the average of finances. You were almost on the average of numbers of friends. You were so average. It's wonderful. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he's not going to say that. Remember my mom. And I grew up in a household of faith. Very grateful to God for that. My mom preaching every Wednesday morning in McCord Hospital, a public hospital. 
no white people in McCord Hospital. My mom goes in. In the days of apartheid, in the days where that didn't happen. And on Tuesday nights almost every week, a man, a man named Emmanuel would come and live in our home. And I remember the cops pitching up and be causing a big stink and wanting to take my dad off to, to, to jail because Emmanuel was staying in our home. And my dad and mom, who were young Christians at the time, go, but the Bible says, the Bible says, and Emmanuel would keep coming, keep staying at our home, and all our neighbors knew, and we didn't give a hoot. And I'm so grateful for those parents who chose faith over the reality, chose faith over the circumstances. I grew up in a church of students and single people, and I remember as I watched men and women sell bicycles, give up holidays to build a building. Why? Not that they could have a better place to meet on Sunday, that those who were far from Jesus could come to know him. A people of faith, and will be challenged, are you crazy? Andreas Kutsuras, who today is an, is an advocate, flying all over the world and with unbelievable opportunities, as a dyslexic kid going to school for special needs because he completely could not read in those days, sold his bicycle. He was in standard two, sold his bicycle. And you watch the lineage of that man's story. You watch the grace of God upon him. He ends up winning the Rhodes Scholarship, going to, to, to Oxford, studying law, becoming an advocate. He still struggles to read, and yet he's one of the most gifted advocates, young advocates in the country. I watched him as a kid. I joined the church when he was about two, three years old. He was a chaos kid. He was, if he was born in today's world, he would have been on any number of ADHD medications. He could not sit still. And yet his parents dragged him to church in the morning, dragged him to church in the evening, dragged him to prayer meetings, and people are going, oh, that kid never, he needs love, he just needs to be at home, a safe environment. I look at him now, he's a husband, he's impacting the world, he's fighting for people in the law courts. I'm going, God, I want to live a crazy story that doesn't make sense, and when the people try to add up the dots, it doesn't make sense. Sorry, it's a little bit, I'm going on holiday tomorrow, so it's a little bit like, ah, you know some of my story. At 19, my parents got liquidated, and I made it a mandate to be, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to make money. And when I was 21 years old, 22 years old, got an opportunity at Unilever in a corporate world, in a job I could never expect to get, was completely God. And then comes the end of the first month. And for years, I've read, and I've heard, and I've preached, and I've believed in tithing, and I believe, but I've never really been forced into that scenario. I'd given, all of a sudden, now you're there, whoa. So that equals that. And I'm going, God, I've got to pay student loan, and I, I, I've got to buy a car, and I've got to, and I'm going, but I choose you, Jesus. And then Kansas and I are sitting down, and we, we're talking about, we're talking about buying homes, and the dreams, and the dreams of God. And when we get to the end of the month, and go, Kansas, God has called us to sow, to be a generous people. We're going to do that. I choose you in the story, and I want you. And for six, we've been married for 12 years. I've been, I was working, I don't know, since I was 21 years old. Every month, I've given to God. Even when I joined an environment and, and there was a church where at Glenridge, the tithe used to be taken off salary just before because we believed in tithing. And I went to Rory and I said, Rory, I don't want that. I want to push that button every month in faith, knowing that my God is faithful. Not as a servant trying to buy his favor, but as a son believing in his promises that he will take care of my kids. And the greatest inheritance my kids will get will not be the investment. I keep knocking this bottle. Please hold it while you film 
will not be the money I leave in a bank account one day. That won't be the greatest inheritance my kids get. It won't be the opportunities I can open for them. It'll be the Father in heaven pouring his favor upon children who have been raised in the household of faith, who know that God is good and he is good to his promises. And I want to mention a few things about the guy I spoke about last week. His name's Noah. I think he's just a simple man. Just a simple man who was faithful to God's promises. Before Noah was ever known as a man of, of faith, he was known as a man of faithfulness. But you know what he was commended for? In Genesis 6 verse 12. Not for snazzy things, for this. Noah did everything God commanded everything. You want to be known as a man or woman of faith? We worship a king of kings, the Lord of lords. We worship the king who has a kingdom, and he invites us in, and he says, will you, will you be stewards? Will you be ambassadors? But we go under mandates. We go under authority and with authority. Noah did everything God commanded, and just a couple of those commands because it doesn't always make sense. It says, with gopher wood, now we don't know exactly what gopher wood, but every commentator will say that gopher wood was an expensive wood. Some would say it's cypress, some even new commentators say, say laminated wood, but, but most would agree there was a personal cost to this wood. Noah had to go personally buy it wood. It wasn't like, Noah, the money's coming now into your bank account. Noah goes to the ATM, whoop, bucks to go buy the wood. No, Noah, in faithless, he'd known the faithfulness of God. He'd walked that journey, so he went and he began the journey of building an ark that didn't make sense. Why? He wasn't just building a boat. He was building a household for salvation that his family would get saved in. It's always bigger than we think. And the world tries to take the Noah story and narrow it down to a madman with a boat. It's not that it's about how do you build a household of salvation? How do we build a household of salvation? As 70 people gathered and said, let's build a church. 70 people, way less than are here tonight, said, let's put our money and our backs into building this place. Why? So that you could sit here one day and receive the grace of God in faith. And I love it. And I think as generations, we need our faith stories to keep ringing out from generation to generation. He says, go forward. He says, three stories high. Let me tell you, as we build this church, we want to build a church that has multiple stories. And there's many ways for people to get in. A church that is, that is known to be multicultural, multi-income brackets, multi-styled, multi-age groups. I write to you fathers, I write to you young men, I write to you children. Why does he write to them? Because he sees them as part and valuable to the full moving forward of the kingdom of God's story. And the apostle knew that he needed the older men. He needed the younger men. He needed the, the children in the story. Full of faith and full of courage. Says many rooms, 450 foot long. The specifics, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, half the size of the Titanic. There's some specifics in the God story for your life. But can I say this? If you never take time to listen, you're never going to hear them. You're never going to hear them. And I think the greatest reason people choose, choose not to spend time with God is in case God speaks. <laughs> Let's touch on the little realities 
What if God speaks and calls me to something that's different to what I always imagined? Confession time. I never wanted to be a pastor. Not in a million years. I loved being the friend of the pastor. But I didn't want to be a pastor. But when God speaks, we have a choice to be made. And we choose to listen. And I think, just like the rich young ruler, we are one or two decisions away from the breakthrough of God in our lives. I think most individuals are just one or two decisions away of obedience. I think most churches are just one or two decisions away from breakthrough. Moses, not Moses, Noah, chose. And the last one I'm going to speak about, there are others. says, put little windows in the top of the ark. Just 18 inches to let light in. Why is that? So when they could hear the storms, they could hear the waves, and fear began to rise up, they could look up and see the one who promised, see the one who is faithful, see the one who had always been faithful, and courage would rise up again. In the house that you are building, are there windows? Are there multiple stories? Are there many rooms? Is it built and invested with great investments? Young marriages, invest in love, invest in tenderness, invest in encouragement, invest in generosity, invest. Because of this thing, Noah built a floating house of salvation. And never again will there be a flood, God promised that. But there is a day coming. There's a day coming. When all will answer, and believers will be covered by the righteousness of Christ, and that's our judgment. But you know, it will also be judged with what we did, and what we did with the things He gave us to steward, the giftings, the opportunities, the things He called us to. But on that same day, there will be a whole bunch of people, and our job is to make sure that our lives, and the crazy choices we make that point to Him, reveal Him. And when we make the crazy choices and people want to go, you're so full of faith. No, no, no. I'm just captivated by an amazing king. Just That's all I am. I'm a simple man. The wife, three kids, a few simple gifts. But I'm captivated with an amazing God. Let's be that people. As we pioneer, as we forge, let's do the story. And let us build a household of salvation. Not a congregation for believers designed to make Christians happy. But a place where Christians are reaching out as we worship an extending God who calls his people to be an extending people to a world that is broken and seeking his love, his grace, and his mercy. We love you. It's such a privilege to do life together. Thank you, Wally. as Mark was preaching just at the end, just a, a clear picture just formed in my head and I just feel might be helpful. I feel as Mark was, was talking and telling those stories of individuals, of people uh, um, who went into Syria, moms who, who did this and dads and it sounds quite extreme but I think so often what we've been conditioned, you might know these, this illustration of baby elephants, the way they, they train them and keep them captives. When they're very small, they, they attach them to a small, small post. And that, that baby knows I can't really move much further than three steps away from that post. As the elephant grows, they never change the side of that post. The elephant just gets conditioned to know that I can't actually move three steps away from that post. So when it gets fully grown, and that thing could just walk one, two, four steps, and that thing's out the ground, and he's away. But because of conditioning, 
he just got stuck there. And the elephant never goes, never goes. And I think why we need these stories of radical lives and radical reminders, and we might go, oh, that's extreme. It's because we've always, I think we've been so conditioned and settled for normal, for average, for so long, that extreme and, or big leaps of faith are so strong because we, we don't know how to take one step away from that post. And I think as Mark preached tonight, I felt that there, tonight was a significant night to get unhinged from that post. That post of safety, that post of security. And actually, sometimes it's not saying that I need a lot of strength. It's just knowing that actually it's just one step further than where you've gone before. It doesn't require a leap. It doesn't require, it's just a step, a step of faith. And I'm going to ask us, if, I'm going to ask Mark to pray and give us a charge of courage in our hearts for God to, to unhinge us from that, that post. As he told this story, I said, God, I want those stories written about me. I want stories about me. I don't want to just be average. I don't want to just settle for what my past is. I don't want to lean into that. I want to step away from that. And I think too often we've settled. So if that's you tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand. It's a small step, but a step of faith. As you stand, say, God, would you unhinge this post that's held me captive for too long? Can you stand to your feet? I'm going to get Mark to pray. Just um, first time I preached at Life Changes, I was just visiting I preached on unlocking the gridlocks, where we get stuck, and how God wants to take us to higher levels. And I'm passionate about that message, that God wants to release us from those little posts. But it starts here. They believed. Yeah. What do you believe? To believe God can free you from whatever story has determined your journey? Can He free you from that little post? Because if you believe that, then the possibility is in Him. Are massive. And I want to pray. Can I pray for us right now, if that's cool? I pray, Father, right now. Courage to look at that little post that has held us and to just rip it out the ground, Lord. By your grace and by your power, I pray, God, that this could just be a rah-rah for the kingdom or this could be you're doing something. You're calling other women with kids to go on crazy journeys. You're calling men and women to get in cars again, to preach the gospel to those who haven't heard again. You're calling men and women to sow and sacrifice again who've done it before to see your kingdom advance, God. You're calling us to live a story of faith, power for your glory, God. I want to be in that number, God. I don't want to just sing the song all my days, but never be in that number. I want to be in that number that responds and says, yes and amen to your words. Yes and amen to your promises. Yes and amen to what you call and your will, God. We say yes and amen. Can we say that? Say yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that you've called us. And for those who might be here tonight who said, I haven't made that decision. Please make that decision. Come and talk to Wally. Come and talk to us afterwards. And let's pray. And let's allow the grace of God to invade. But we say yes and amen to you, God, to your plans, your purposes, and your promises. We trust you, Jesus.